0: Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm
1: sitting here in the middle of the table with all y'all looking like I just gave all y'all the business <laughs> and i do it again. And I can remember the coaches sitting there like, all right, y'all, like, like, y'all calm down, y'all calm down. And I'm Oh, so y'all was getting like, into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, was, getting oh, into it, like getting into it. But that's they, when they he, knew, like, that's when they knew, like, yeah, he
2: definitely. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson, and as always, joined by former head coach Brian Billett. Coach, what's going down? Doing good today. Got an interesting one today, don't we? Yes, we do. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're keeping things in-house with our very own three-time pro bowler, ball-hawking cornerback, D'Angelo Hall. And guys, he's going to let you guys in in on exactly what makes this guy special. He is feisty uh, all the time. He is
3: always trying to compete,
2: coach. And I think that's what made him great on the field.
3: Yeah, and it's an interesting time because we're talking about the postseason but pre-draft time and the things you guys go through to prepare yourself. Some of the really interesting stories about what takes place during that time period.
2: And here he is our NFL network colleague and one of the last shutdown cornerbacks of the national football league, friend of the podcast, D'Angelo hall, big D hall. Welcome to the show. Big dog.
1: What's going on, fellas? M-Rob Coach, how y'all doing? We're doing man, good
2: today. Doing excellent. So you already know what time it is, man. Locker room story. Again, I have to remind you, none of those, none of the stories we put on TV, all right? This is the this is the total access to locker room podcast. Yeah. You gotta give us something real, dog. What you got for us? All
1: right, well, you know, oddly enough, this topic was just fresh in my head because on TA <laughs> we were talking to Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers, running back, just got a new deal congratulating him, and I told him, I said, hey, won't you tell Matt LaFleur to tell you that story about how D. Hall almost kicked this, you uh. know what? And so Aaron Jones immediately, eyes perked up, and he's like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I can't wait for you to tell him that story, so I'm going to tell y'all that story. And so back in the day, Matt LaFleur was, oh God, I think he was a tight ends coach or assistant. He was a QC doing something. He's know, yeah. grunt work. Work work yeah. stuff. You know, you could tell he was a great mind. Him, Sean McVay was on this right. uh, staff. Raheem Morris, Young Aubrey Pleasant. Uh, I mean, they had some talented coaches. And uh, you know, Mike Shanahan was the lead lead guy. And Mike believed in practicing a certain type of way, and it was balls to the wall. I, I yep. mean, I got I've been called in Mike's office before for not practicing hard <laughs> enough. So I, I, I totally understand the standard by this point. Uh, but it was, you know, it was an OTA type of practice where, gosh, I want to say might even have been uh, RG's rookie year because mm-hmm. coach ahead us split up into two separate fields. So he had the one offense on one field going against kind of the younger defense. And then he had the one defense going against the younger offense. Yep. And we had a tight end, Logan Paulson. And Logan was a dirty word guy. You know, <laughs> he wanted to put his hands on you real special, <laughs> special teamers type of guy. And, uh, you know, at that point, I was playing a little safety. And so I walked myself down to the box thinking, you know, we're in shorts and T-shirts. I think we might have had helmets on. Yeah, we did have helmets on. We're in shorts, T-shirts, helmet. And Logan goes to block me. And I'm trying to get off, you know, kind of finesse, yeah. get off. And I'm like, you know, I, I can't get off. I'm he like, grabs you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he grabs I'm like, you know, all right, all right. So next play, so I get beat him with speed and Rob. So I get past him, and he kind of grabs me and pulls me. And I'm like, hold up, bro. At that point, now I'm like, dude, you could get somebody hurt, you know? Because now I'm the old, now I'm the older yeah, right. guy, right? So I'm yeah. like, hey, look, man, you can't pull me from the back like that. Well, my coach told me to. I said, well, who your coach? Who your coach? <laughs> no, you dude, know, who your you coach? Can't
2: put that man out there
3: like <laughs> that. So, right. He gave him up in a minute. <laughs> yeah, right there.
1: <laughs> so he he, point, he points to the floor, and I run up on the floor, and I said, you know what? At first, I ran up on, uh, on on Logan after he did it to me, right? I run up on Logan, and I start asking him these questions, right? So I done already ran up on one dude, kind of looking up, pointing to him, talking, <laughs> you know, you know, little man complex talking. And so once I get the answers from him in the middle of doing practice, right, I run up to the floor and I'm like, "Hey, dog! Next time you tell him to grab me and block me like that, I ain't gonna kick his ass. I'm gonna kick your ass." What? And I mean, it was just, it was classic, dog. Why and- would you
2: tell a coach that, dog? What's going on, Back Dave? To the
1: source. And, and, like, just like Coach said, you got to go to the source, man. I can't, I I, 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 well, one, I didn't think I could win the fight with Logan. Yeah. yeah and so, guys, I, I, I'm to okay, find and, a smaller and, guy. And, and, yeah, and two, and, and, that. At that point, somebody had to pay. Somebody That's was going to pay at that point. And so I picked a smaller guy. But I love, 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 love Matt LaFleur, man. He's a hell of a coach. But me and him, we always share that story and just laugh back and forth. He even tells me, you remember that time you almost kicked my ass? I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wasn't funny then, but I do. Hey, Coach, how (laughs) would you have reacted?
3: To
2: As a you coach, know, no, I'm talking about coach. No, uh, coach, always, have you had told, a
3: guy do something like that to you? I've always told my assistants, men, don't put ever put me in a position where I got to choose now, because <laughs> you may not like that choice. You know? <laughs> so, so you better you better deal with it, okay? <laughs> don't, don't be looking to me like like, uh, hey, can you can you bail me out here? You know, so it yeah, was wow. uh, no, it that one. I remember one time we had this week when I had Orlando Brown, you'll uh-huh. love this. Story. Oh yeah. And this was after post Orlando Brown with the eye and, and oh, Lord, Orlando. Enough. And I love him like a son, but Orlando had a lot of voices going on in his head. Now there was a lot going on in there. And Orlando was all about once you got his trust. So when he comes back to the team, I tell him, okay, Orlando, look, I love having you here. I love your passion, but I got to know that you're under control. So if something comes up, if I get involved and I, you know, I come to you, you got to show me you're handling this. I got to know that you're in control. Coach, I got it. I got it. So we're out of training camp and, and there's a fight breaks out and coaches are in there and whatever. Well, Orlando <laughs> and the players all knew what Orlando was about. And he literally had two guys, one in each hand, holding up off the ground. Know? <laughs> and, and Jim Coletto, my line coach looks at me like, Brian, you got it you got to do something. Different. I can't control this. So I walk, I walk over to Orlando and I said, Orlando, this is that time. And he looks at me and he drops the guys and he goes and he walks to the end of the practice and just stays there for about 20 minutes. He had but to calm me, down, but just showed me, okay, I can handle this. You, I got okay. you. So he literally <laughs> drops the guys and go stands at the other end of the field, and the players looked at me like, "Oh God, did you see what Coach do? Oh man, he's got he, Orlando listened to Coach, man. He so from that point on, I had real street cred because like I could control <laughs> Orlando Brown. Yeah, yeah, you but control it was, him. Uh, right? Yeah, he was he was he was a joy to coach. He was something. It was always something with Orlando.
2: Well, guys, as you guys know, we're getting into the draft prep stuff, right? And D Hall, like I know when you were coming out of Virginia Tech, right? we all knew you were a first round pick. I mean, you know, the, the masses did, but how certain were you that you were a first round pick? You know what I mean? I mean, obviously you you say the right stuff, but you know, when you, when you look at the man in the mirror, how'd you feel about obviously being a first round pick and how'd your preparation get down?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I put my, I put all my kind of early early underclassmen draft info stuff in, you know, to kind of just get a feel for what they were saying, and the grade actually came back second rounder. And you know, at that time, I just you know I took a real honest look at the top corners that I felt like were going to be either seniors in that draft or underclassmen that were potentially leaving. And I really tried to be honest with myself and you know how fast am I compared to this guy? Mm-hmm. Can I actually really go play man to man versus this guy, or can I get the ball better than this guy? Do I tackle better than this guy? Uh, and so. You know, I kind of, in the back of my head, I thought I was a first-round draft pick. I didn't think I'd be a top-ten pick. You know, I felt like if I ran well and really showed scouts how fast I really was, that all the rest of the football stuff, all the rest of the DB uh you know, backpedaling technique work. Can he tackle? But you weren't you worried know, about none of that stuff. You know, no, the no, I, no. I, I really wasn't worried about none of that. It was really, you know, I just wanted to show the scouts how fast I was. I, I was because I knew in this league they put a premium on speed. Yeah. Um, did that, just the year s- before, I saw Terrence that, Newman get drafted top top five, I think, and and he was the
3: fastest corner. So that to me was the standard, pretty much for me. Did that second round grade scare you off? Did you almost think, eh, maybe I shouldn't do that? It did. It did. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it scared me. You know, it made
1: me really, like I said, it really made me look in the mirror, you know. And had I looked in the mirror and saw two or three guys that I felt were really better than me, I probably would have went back to school because I was a young kid, too. Um, you know, I was 20 years old when I got drafted, went to college at 17. So I probably could have used another year to just mature. Yeah you know, probably wasn't the best thing for me. And the next year, how about this Pac-Man Jones came out and went higher than me. I think he went sick. And I always said, dang, And I I, I kind of like Tennessee. I would have, you know, I would have I I I vibe with Nashville. Uh, you know, had I stayed one more year, I always kind of sit back and think about that. You know, for me, it was about just competing. I knew how good I was, and mm-hmm. I wanted to measure myself
3: against everybody else. You know what I mean? Well, the good news was that it, it motivated you then for these postseason workouts. workouts yeah. where a lot of, if you're a guarantee, like I always, you know, dealing with guys and seeing like you saw it with Alabama and some of the guys that didn't work out that, you know, that it's, yeah. you, I, I get it when they're kind of going, man, just look at the tape. Yeah. Do I really yeah, yeah. need to run for you. I mean, come on now. Um, and left, but go, go, Coach, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm gonna tell you one story
1: about when I was training. So Pete this. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm training at uh, Athletes Performance in Tempe, Arizona. Beautiful facility with all these great players. APL. Uh it was a it was a receiver from Texas Tech. I want to say his name was Carl. Francis, or something like that. I mean, he was a speedster. He ended up running the fastest. That's the channel. homie
2: from. That's the homie from the career, man. on no, Francis, no, man. No, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you the got the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my and bad. Carl Francis is my homie. But yeah. buddy name, buddy name was Fran. His last name was Francis. But yeah. I, I'm gonna have to go back and look him up. Ended up pin, I think, a second or third round receiver in my draft but he was known as the fastest dude in college football right and so he was there and so i was like i'm gonna make sure every time we running i'm beating him right and so that was my competition there and then we had a top five receiver where well, we had the number one receiver which was roy williams from texas right all world everything he didn't even know my name when we got there coach i promise what? you he didn't when we left he, he went knew. seven, I went eight. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Coach. I, I ate his ass up every day. And then when I saw him in Detroit as a first-round pick, I made sure I yeah. went and got cookies and ate them again. <laughs> and when he was in Dallas, I ate him some more. But, yeah, yeah, believe that. But but those dudes were my measuring sticks, right? So I went there, people not knowing my name. Um, but at the end, like I said, dudes were out partying, having a good time. Mm locked in. I knew what time yeah. workouts was, some 2 days because I knew, like, that was going to be my advantage. Like, I never was a or I never got to do anything. I told you, I was 17 when I went to college, 20 when I left. Like, I, I really wasn't legally allowed to do much. <laughs> and, and then, you know, my background as a, as a kid, as a 13-year-old, I had a brother get murdered. And so, like, my mom and nightlife and all that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Like, even as a 37-year-old man and Rob, when I go home yeah. and hang, hang out with my mom, I don't be out past yeah, a certain sure. time. Like she knows, sure. yeah, exactly. That's just a mother's, you know. When when someone's been through that, you know, you, you do things a little bit differently. And so, yeah. So for me, it was it was all about locking in and and and, and maximizing the most out of that experience. And that's why when I talk to young kids when they're training, I want to know like, all right, you training here, but what you doing? Are you want, are you wanted to catch right. this out hanging out because mm-hmm. you could easily get caught up in you know you got a little money in your pocket. And you just aren't really taking advantage of the overall experience. And I think for me, I knew I, I wanted to get the most out of it all. And like I said, from and and the dude' name was Carlos Francis. There you there go, you go. Carlos. Carl, there you go, <laughs> from Carlos Francis, running on Texas Tech <laughs> national championship four one hundred team to Roy Williams, who was an all everything in college that I went and tried to dog every rep um, from one on ones to competing in anything. Uh, yeah, so you, yeah, you had so, a you had uh, a rabbit absolutely. down there, somebody to yeah. chase. And see, <laughs> you know,
2: I, I was down there um, with uh, Tom Shaw uh, down there in Disney. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? He trained Prime and all of those things. And, you know, the guy that I was chasing was Devin Hester. He was in my draft yeah. class and he was fast, and we knew that he was the guy that everybody was looking at. And so every running drill, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to run with him. He was the fastest guy out there. I'm running with him. But, guys, I ain't going to lie to you, D-Hall, to your point, I wasn't a guy that went out much, too, um, especially leading up to my pro day, even though I was a quarterback of a major college program. So, yeah, I had my time out in them streets, guys. I had my time. No doubt. (laughs) But but getting ready for the pro day, man, it was tough for me. Because like I tell everybody, if I would have came out 10, 15 years later, it yeah. would have been a totally different process for me. I would have been training exclusively at quarterback. Nobody would have even asked me to do anything else. Guys, it's crazy. I go out to my pro day. I run my 40. I do all my stuff, do all the movement drills, and I wanted to show them that I could play quarterback. So I made every throw. You know, I, th- you know, I, th- I threw over 100 and something balls. Every throw, uh, trained with some quarterback gurus before the process and everything. Then I stood in the middle of the field and asked, what else you guys want to see? I had a guy that wanted me to do backpedaling. He said, Hey, I heard you had 20 interceptions in high school. Can you do some DB movement drills? A D Hall. I started backpedaling, I started opening up, <laughs> my hips hurt, all that. And I hadn't even trained for it. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. even trained for it, right? Yeah. But it was one of those things where my whole dream was to be in the National Football League, not necessarily be a quarterback. And I knew mm-hmm. that I would have to show every I, I would have to show teams that the more I could do, that was my value. Boom, after I did the D B drills, I had to do wide receiver drills after that. And then I did running back drills. You talk about somebody being tired as yeah. shit, bro. Yeah.
3: Oh my goodness. So what did you do? What did you do after that in your training? Did you train for all of it? Yeah, yeah. So
2: so what I did was I did start to adjust. I did, you know, all of my quarterback stuff in the morning. After I lifted weights. Right. I, you know, after I did, did did the weight room stuff, I started doing my quarterback stuff in the evening. It was all what I call other skill position stuff. Right. I was catching the football. I was doing running back drills. I didn't train for defensive back. That was one thing I probably wasn't willing to do, guys. I wasn't trying to go out there on them islands. You know, what I'm saying yeah, yeah, to start covering yeah. guys like that. That wasn't that wasn't necessarily my thing. But I tell you guys. I wish I would have came out a little bit later because just seeing the quarterbacks now and seeing the opportunities they're getting. I mean, you look at Trey Lance in this year's draft. I think if this was a normal draft, I'm not sure that kid comes out this year. But you see the pandemic, you see there is no combine, you see all of these different factors. He's like, like you, D. Hall, you like, I'm looking at the rest of the quarterbacks this may be my year to come out. And so I always wonder, like, what would have happened if I would have gotten that chance to come out a little bit later, especially with all these movement quarterbacks getting an opportunity.
1: So so hold up, M-Rob. So in the middle of trying to train to be drafted for a quarterback, you decide, all right, because they asked me to do this, I want, I'm want i going to train for all this other stuff as well? Absolutely. And, 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 guys, yes, I made it to the Pro Bowl
2: at fullback, uh, won a Super Bowl as a fullback. But, hell, man, I wasn't no damn fullback, man. I, hell no. No. I got so, moved to fullback with Mike Martz, okay? So Mike was, Martz had halfbacks. So, how much
1: did you weigh? How much did you weigh during this whole draft process? When you when you got your shot in the league, how much did you weigh? About 220, 218, really? something like that. Yeah, man. And then I
2: uh, played a couple of years behind Frank Gore. We got Mike Martz um, after... Um, we we got Mike March with Coach Singletary getting the head coaching job, and I remember Mike March brought me in with Adam Gase. Adam Gase was like his little quality control special assistant guy, mm-hmm. and Adam Gase was my personal coach every single day. So he yeah, getting mm-hmm. me coached up. I taught me how to run routes, taught me how to see the court, see uh, the field like the quarterback is seeing it. And that's when I moved the fullback. And so when I got cut and got an opportunity to play with Seattle, that's what Pete said. He said, "Bro." I need you to block half yeah. the guys. You know what I'm That's saying? I need to throw good. the ball
3: to my half, to my fullback. That's back. just good evaluation of talent. We had I, – uh, I recruited John Lynch when he was at Stanford. Ah. John was a quarterback mm. out of San Diego, okay? Really? So, we come in, and Denny Green, who I still say, God rest his soul, was the best evaluator of talent I've ever been around as a coach. Mm. So, we got I, – I, we recruit this John Lynch into Stanford as a quarterback. Denny goes, we're going to make him a safety. I'm going – Oh man, Denny's lost it, man. He's gone. <laughs> this is a quarterback, Dan. We're going to make this case. There's something in this kid. He can be a good safety. So, okay. So we talked the kid into it. He was all into it. And we're all going, Dad, yeah, this kid's going to get the very first practice. He goes out, doesn't know what the hell he's doing. We had a big fullback <laughs> named Tommy Bardell. Remember touchdown, yeah, Tommy Mardell? Yeah. Big name. physical. Yeah. So, Rick, we got a live action. John Lynch comes screaming down. As we all know, this is pre knowing what John lit and just de cleats him, blows him wow. up, ass over elbow backwards. <laughs> Very first player, we're going, Damn, Danny, we don't know what you saw, but you. Yeah, but it worked. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, it so was there. There. Yeah. You have the right guy saying, Look, there's a set of skills here. So you know yo, Mark Marza, that debt yeah, of I gratitude. So,
2: You've been a head coach, obviously, right? So you know the pre-draft evaluation process. Talk to us about what's that like as a head coach, because you know us as players, and you know that you know the process as a player. Us as players, I ain't gonna say it's a meat market, but it's a lot of eyes looking at you, a lot of evaluation, a lot of. I've I've been told that you know I was fat, all of those things, depending on who likes you.
3: You know what I'm saying? But what's it like from a head coaching perspective? Well, and, and as a coach, it's tough because you've gone through a long season. Now you've got to convert very quickly. And you've got to be conversant with a bunch of guys. So you look at yep. tape and the scouts get you going and invent and the scouts hate it because we go to the combine, we go to the personal workouts and we fall in love with guys mm-hmm. because we go in and we have a very limited view, right? But we see the athleticism or we get to know the players a little bit. So there's a why, you know, there's a large group of players, but you tend to get real focused real quick on guys that you really, really like. And that's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard on the scouts, and you got to be careful as a coach because a day, you, know, you fall in love with a guy in shorts. I always looked at it was <laughs> – I always told the guys, the combine and the pro workouts need to do – they need to send you back to the tape. That's that's mm. the key. If, if I, I like the guy on tape and I see yeah. the guy work out and I like it and they both check out, great, good to go, got to move on. The problem is I saw the guy on tape, I liked him, and then I see him in person going – <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. I don't like him on tape, but then you see him and you go, "Dad, this guy is an athlete." So, send me back to the tape to relook at to verify either I missed on the tape or I'm missing on this. But send me back to the tape. Do something to make me go back and look at the tape.
1: So, 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 coach, can the tape ultimately? The tape is what's going to get you drafted, though, right? Like, say the
3: tape looks great, but then you see him, you're like, eh. But the tape looks great. Yeah, you, I, I are, mean ultimately though, if you're gonna err, err on the side of tape. Because if tape. I go you with the to. workout, you, <laughs> you know, you're really betting on okay, you gotta convince, what my, my my daughter used the term because she's in HR for, for corporation, and they all have algorithms and how they identify people. She goes, Yeah, you gotta you gotta negotiate the algorithm. Meaning, okay, the facts tell you this. Your my eyes tell me this. But you got to negotiate with it going, OK, what's what makes me think this guy is better than what I'm seeing? Is he immature? Is he just raw? Does he have a big upside? That's that's fine. Or am I just kidding myself and going, OK, the guy's pretty in shorts, but man, I just don't see it on tape. And more often than not, it doesn't work out. Well, coach, all in love with the shorts. You got to the, the, the tape's got to be. If you know in your heart the tape tells me this guy can't play, you you gotta you gotta believe that. What about when you actually talk to the guy,
2: like pre-draft visits? You know what I'm saying? What yeah. if, what if the tape yeah. says draft him? You know, I see him work out. It's like I go to his pro day. It's draft him. But I, you know, I have a conversation with him,
3: and I'm like, ah. Uh. I don't you, know know what you, you know what Chris Rock says. You, you, you're, you're meeting the representative. Yeah. You go out yeah. on a first date. You're not dating the girl. You're, you're dating her representative. Okay. Well, when, what I like to do, and I, this is what I did at the pro workouts more than anything, when, particularly when I had positions. So the workout's fine. Mm-hmm. But I would usually stick around and take the guy to dinner or something. Because I wanted to see how he acted and how people acted around him. How did he treat the waitress? How did he treat the doorman or the guy parking the car? How did mm-hmm. people react to him, even in his environment? Was, was the guy a d- and, you know, big-timer, yeah. or, mm-hmm. or was he nice to people? And people responded to him the same way. I, I wanted to find out what kind of person he was. It was okay if he was a, a turd, you know, because mm-hmm. he just had that bravado. I just wanted to know that.
2: Yeah, but, Coach, how, how do you manage the personalities there? Like, you may have a scout that likes the kid, right? A- and maybe you know something about the scout personality-wise, that that's the reason why you like him. Maybe that scout has got a little something with him. And that's mm-hmm. why you like him. But you meet the kid, and you're like, ah, he may not be well in this locker room. You know what
3: I'm saying? How do you negotiate right. that? And that, it's hard because you're talking about young kids that are immature. Okay. I always say young young, yeah, yeah. young young, and stupid's one word. It is. We're all young <laughs> and stupid, right? <laughs> and so is this kid just uncomfortable? With with dealing with somebody in this situation, uh, or, and 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 therefore that he comes off a little awkward or tries to puff up and be a little more than he is, and he doesn't come off well. A lot of it too is you rely on your you know scouts have a relationship with coaches, but y- you usually knew somebody on just about every staff mm-hmm. that as a coach you could talk coach to coach. Go hey, tell me about this kid, and 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 a lot of times you get on. Oh look, don't don't be fooled by the fact he's a good kid. Or okay, hey, coach, this guy's. I tell you 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 better be careful cuz he's going to be in the principal's office a whole lot <laughs> as long as you yeah. know that going in you yeah. know so yeah you you really have to rely on that evaluation
2: hey D uh you, you had some some pre-draft visits that you remember that was like you know i really like this place or did you did, did you have a draft visit with Atlanta and that you knew they were going to draft you
1: well i had a i had a couple really dope uh, pre-draft visits. And I say pretty, pretty dope because as a dude who coming out of high school, uh, I only took one visit, you know, I committed to Virginia tech as a, as a, as a junior, um, and was encouraged not to go see anybody else. Right. Why would you, why would you want uh, to go <laughs> and so, you know, I didn't being young and naive. I didn't. And so, um, you know, throughout the draft process to, to 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 have a team fly me up to New York. And, you know, it was just super dope. So I'm going to give y'all a couple different stories. And so mm-hmm. um, one story, I'm up in New York at the Jets facility and I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking around and the facility super dope. But the way the Jets did it, they brought in like 30 prospects all together. Oh, that and was the 30 good. of us was, was pretty much all DBs. Right. And so, you know, There I got to meet Dante Robinson, who was a young dude from South Carolina, transitioning from kind of safety to corner, kind of a no-name like myself. So me and him kind of hit it all. We were, you know, smaller in stature corners, but super edgy, played real physical type of games. And so, you know, me and him kind of hit it all, bonded, became instant friends, and and have stayed in contact ever since. Then you take, I go to Washington for a visit, and I'm there with Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, Jonathan Vilma, wow. DJ Williams, and myself. Mm-hmm. And they, four Miami Hurricanes, right? And me, I'm the lone V Tech. And for those who don't know, we played in the Big East back in the day yep. when it was, it was V Tech Miami. That was a rivalry. And we knew Miami got the best players, got the best athletes hands down. But my argument to all them dudes was always like, I was always different. Like, I could have went to Miami. I could have <laughs> yeah. went to Florida State. Yep. I wanted to stay here in state and show y'all what we about. And by doing that, yeah, I'm sitting here in the middle of the table with all y'all looking like I just gave all y'all the business and I'll do it again. And I can remember the coaches sitting there like, all right, y'all, like, like y'all calm down, y'all calm down. And oh, so y'all was getting there. into it. Oh, in yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, getting into oh, it. Dog. Like, getting into it. But that's they, when they knew, like, that's when they knew, like, yeah, he different. You know what yo, I mean? Y'all finna get like, paid and y'all in there arguing, like, huh? Coach, coach, the representative was there, but you best, believe, you best believe the dude who was going, who was going, who who had to back up the representative on the field, he was there, too. And so, yeah,
3: yeah, I wasn't having
1: it. I wasn't having it. And that was the year, you know, that I was talking trash about Miami. And we beat the snot out of them. I'm taking the ball out of Cat's hands. You know what I mean? So, that was a game that I felt like, you know, in that rivalry, we dominated a a way more talented football team than us. I talked bad about them. And they had seven, I I think, seven first-rounders that year. And so, (laughs) and I thought the team – With Ed Reed and all those guys were the better team. And I guess I was the 2001 team. I
2: know exactly what you're talking about. 2001 team. You know what I'm saying? Hey, coach, I think we know what made uh, D Hall very special on the field. That dude feisty. Every every step of the way he competing. D Hall, thank (laughs) you for coming by the podcast, man. You can come by anytime you want to. You had great perspective, and that's going to do it for this week's episode. Coach, we'll see you. Next week. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access the Locker Room. For more insight with the locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes
0: every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,